sponsored by MyWebsiteFinder.net, where you can find reliable website hosting, email services, and affordable domain prices. A proudly woman-owned MyWebsiteFinder.net can cater to all your website needs, big or small. You can have a website up in less than an hour using sophisticated yet easy-to-use web tools like cPanel and WordPress. And for our Spanish-speaking friends, check out PaginaUS.com. Now let's get to the show. Dimethyltryptamine, also known as DMT, is a fascinating mystery. A chemical substance that has been known to make one see the universe. Some even say God. It is found in various plants and animals, including humans. Indigenous tribes around the world use these plant medicines in ceremony, including the Matsis in Peru, with the brew they call ayahuasca. In this episode, I interview author Dick Kahn, and we talk about his experience with DMT, which is also the subject of his book, DMT and My Occult Mind. He documented his personal research with DMT, spending a year investigating by using himself as the test subject. Please enjoy this interview with Graham Hancock's author of the month, Dick Kahn. Well... I think we should get yeah. started. I want to talk first of all about when you started thinking about writing this book. What was the kind of you know thing that that made you want to share all your experiences? It, it, the 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 catalyst to writing was actually. Um, a uh, famous actor, I think he's also known as a national treasure in the UK, Stephen Fry. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, from Blackadder. Uh, regret to say, but I, I, I loved him in Blackadder, but otherwise I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, but, you know. <laughs> but he was giving this speech, and I was sat with my wife, and I'd, I was quite a few experiences into DMT by that time, and documenting but with no intention to publish and um he was giving a speech at an award ceremony and, and praising writers and um authors and said look if, if anybody's minded to sort of pursue that then you know he gave all encouragement and i heard it and, and i was inspired by him and, and at that moment i said i'm gonna write a book about my dmt experiences and um from that moment and never looked back, just overcame each and every obstacle um, until, until I published. Well, that's very brave in itself, I think, because a lot of, you know, I, I was a journalist and had been wanting to write a book all my life and to just go for it, I think is very brave because, um, you know, where do you find the time to do it? You know, when I look back, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm 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 a parent and I'm I'm married and yeah. I've got a, a full time job which is not as a writer, mm -hmm. and you know to to be a, a good husband a good good parent, uh, and you know hold, hold down a responsible job. I look back, it's like how did I find the time? I mean, thankfully, the DMT experience itself is is very short lived and you're back to baseline very quickly. Um, but in terms of the writing, yeah, I mean, I, I made somehow I made the time. It so was lots, lots and lots of hard work, but yeah, know, so enjoyable. So when you had your experiences, when you were doing the experiment, when you were coming down on it, is that when you were kind? Were you writing notes after, right after the experiences? So after coming back from the experiences uh, which would usually be me laying on the bedroom floor or the floor at the top of the stairs or outside in the garden i i would remain late and reflect on what happened and try and gather up um accurate details without you know embellishing anything until i'd got it fixed in my mind and there were some experiences where I'd be able to pull a little bit back 
and then after um you know resting for a while yeah i would write it up I, you know I've, I've written under the sort of influence of dmt albeit you know when you're coming down and mm-hmm. you're having those big yawns um and and there were times where you know a day or two later i'd have another experience and it was after that experience facts from the previous experience would just mm. suddenly flood into my mind yeah. I was like, oh yeah oh my god i I forgot all about that. So I was able to go back to the previous experiment and add, you know, further accurate detail to that as well as compose, you know, I think the word is contemporaneously, while while it's fresh in my memory, the, the facts of the experience. But yeah, that, that was my approach. And it's very difficult, I think, to write um, and explain those experiences because I've done ayahuasca like four right. times. I did yeah. mushrooms last week. I did the truffles last week. Wow. Okay. Trying to um, explain to my husband who I don't think he's ever done the, tr- the psilocybin, but like trying to explain thing how like the things that I saw and the experiences that I had while under the- <laughs> that. So- it's so, I, I, so, how did you do it? I mean, you when you experience something that you you couldn't imagine and you can't even explain, you can't, you just can't bring that back. I mean, the, there's experiences I've had where I've been looking at something. I don't know. It's an impossible object. It, mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It's morphing. It's beautiful. I can't tell you anything about it. I just can't bring any of that detail back. But my approach was to try to try and understand the causal nature of the experiences. I I really thought I was going somewhere, mm-hmm. and um, it, over time, I I feel I made some um valuable insights uh, and found that I wasn't actually going anywhere, but something was coming to me and engulfing me within its powerful mind and imposing visually or in other ways upon me um once i'd kind of got a handle on that it, it every other experience kind of fed into that you know i i didn't really focus on the visions i've wrote about what i've seen as best i can but it mm-hmm. was more what's happening here what's what's really at play because it's such a otherwise unimaginable experience until you've experienced it but yeah and when you write about your childhood in the beginning of the book I think it's so interesting because you were already kind of awake to that um and a lot of people who have done you know DMT or you know any kind of psychedelics might not have had any kind of experiences when they were you know when they were younger I mean, tell me about that, about, about your childhood. Well, it's really kind of you to say that, but um, I mean, my, my, my background, my childhood was idyllic. Um, Regrettably, my parents never pushed me at school and the area I was in was very working class. And I I knew I wanted to leave as as soon as I was old enough. So yeah, those experiences as a, in childhood, they, they became valuable much later in life when I first experienced DMT. And, and, and I've said in other interviews that the, the tinnitus that I've has been persistent throughout my life, but was such a significant part of my early childhood upon first experiencing DMT and finding that sound amplified in intensity and increased in frequency. I was so enamored by it. I thought, you know, it, it, it was, it was just such a big impact on me because that had been such a huge part of my early childhood. So it's not that I felt awake to these and, you know, I'd experienced psychedelics as a, you know, in late teens and early adult, but then I'd, I don't know. I wouldn't want to say I'd moved away. I'd, I'd maintained a healthy habit with uh, cannabis, weed and skunk. And that became regrettably all con consuming and uh, so yeah I mean you know many many years passed with with no you know proper psychedelics but uh, you know a, a bad uh, habit addiction to uh, weed and skunk and uh, even even you know with that I managed to progress to university and get a reasonably good job and you know found somebody willing to marry me. 
<laughs> well, well I've, I think... seen, I've, I've since quit that, you know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, there, there was a bit of a, a hiccup in my uh, employment, which was, you know, due to cannabis, tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I basically wanted to earn some, and I ended up going overseas to Africa, thinking I could earn lots of money doing something in the financial sector, which I had no experience in, <laughs> and left behind a six-month-old child, a pregnant wife, and a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And after six months in Africa, I came back with my tail between my legs. And uh, yeah, you know... <sighs> There's a period of unemployment, and uh, after that, I said, "You know what? Let's let's okay, let's leave this weed alone now. You know, let's try and get serious." And uh, yeah, where we're at now is pretty good. Yeah, and I think um, you know when taken to, you know, they're they're doing studies about medicinal marijuana and all those kinds of things. I think if you do it in a if you're in a place that you just need some kind of healing and you're not doing it like every day you're stoned out of your mind, you yeah. know, I think that could yeah. actually, that could actually be helpful, you know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a real big fan of it. The fact that I don't smoke it anymore doesn't mean I'm against it. I'm, I'm mm. a real big fan of it. In fact, somebody uh, sent me some uh, about a year ago, some, some strains of skunk that he'd grown, and I, um, I'd not touched it for 10 years. And I said, I'm going to smoke some. And I smoked some. And I tell you what, <laughs> I, I realized how, how psychedelic it actually is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I had a newfound respect for it because before I'd been, I had been abusing it. And that's yes. my bad, you know. But it's a really powerful, potent, and it's a wonderful medicine. And, and I agree with, with what you say. There are lots of healing capacities within that. Yeah, I think... Um people like people who have bad trips on mushrooms they're doing it recreationally they're doing it just to you know i don't want to say just to get high or whatever but they're they're doing it for i think the wrong reasons and i feel you know with my research and my experience that those plants plant medicine is to be respected i mean it's a gift from our indigenous ancestors i think you know and um that's another thing I wanted to ask you. So you've done the psilocybin and you've done DMT um, and you, you just said weed as well. Do you, do you find that every plant has its own personality or every kind of thing that you take has its own, um, yeah, its own personality and it's completely different. Like the mushrooms are different from completely different from the DMT. I mean, it, tell me a little bit about. Yeah, I mean, you know, with with the mushrooms and the DMT, the, the, there's some chemical connection there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the chemical formula, but there's some uh, relatedness between psilocybin and, and free-based DMT. And, uh, you know, again, through social media, I'm blessed with some wonderful friends and, and somebody kindly sent me some Liberty Cap mushrooms, which she dried out and I'd not had them for such a long time and I took in this room I took um I small dose it was like 1.5 grams and I thought it's gonna be okay and it was so strong it was like being on ayahuasca (laughs) you know and I I, I've had I've had strong ayahuasca and it was like wow I just I thought I'd be able to do things and I just had to submit and, and lay on this bed and just go with it. It was so strong. Uh, and I was surprised at how much like ayahuasca um, that was. I mean, with this, this plant medicines, and then there's also, you know, synthetic drugs. And I've, I've, um, I've had the opportunity to experience 2CB. And I, I know a lot of people who are adherents just to the plant medicines will mm-hmm. probably balk at what I'm about to say, but I'm a real big fan of that substance too. CB, such a fan that I will only try it once or twice a year because I consider it so beautiful and magical. And that certainly has its own um, personality. I've also recently had experiences with the, the toad medicine. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
what to say about that i mean that that's just an insanely powerful substance and um I don't, I, I don't think I've come to terms with its personality yet. It's, it's just so strong. Oh, you're, are you talking about, um, because there's different types of the toad medicine. There's the one that they, they burn on their skin. That's not what you're talking about, right? No, I think that's Cambo. Oh yeah, Cambo. Yeah, I've, I've not experienced that, but I have friends who've experienced it and told me all about it. And I'm not against it. It's just, um, uh to go to a ceremony they they, they ask for money and i've I, i've you know because i'm a parent i can always like spend money on other things yeah so and obviously with a lockdown but um yeah i'd like to try it. i understand it's a really strong purgative yeah and and you have to be careful a lot of those things are kind of scammy and they're or they're like spas you know they're like resorts <laughs> instead okay. of you know, instead of going to like the jungle in Peru, you're going to like a spa setting and it's, I mean, it's completely okay. different. <laughs> okay. Okay. Have you tried it? Oh, ayahuasca. Oh, combo. No, no, I haven't done okay, that. Okay. Okay. No, but um, my, I have a friend, he lives in Texas and he introduced me to all that Um, probably in 2015. Um and he, he does, they do ceremonies. He has land out in Texas. So they do, they do the ceremonies out there. So yeah, <laughs> it's quite an experience <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere, under the stars in a, you know, sleeping in a tent. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. It really does. <laughs> but you know, you can't do that. You can't do that now with, with everything going on. Um, how has how has this situation changed you because you wrote the book and the book was published before any of this happened um I mean, how, yeah situation. um I'm, I'm just going to be honest and say it hasn't i um you know i mean i mean first of all i'm, I'm really fortunate i'm 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 i'm, I'm able to work and mm -hmm. my heart goes out to businesses and people who have, have lost or losing jobs. That's I can't even begin to imagine that. So I'm in a very privileged position, I guess, in that my job seems reasonably secure. Um, I mean, apart from not being able to take my boys where, you know, places I'd like to take them, cinema, go-karting, um, motorbiking, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not it's not I've not let it impact me or my family. Um, we've remained positive. We've remained good, and I I see like this. You know, I'm, I'm very I'm I'm blessed in that I've got some very potent medicines that I can explore with from time to time. That they're always there for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, whilst the opportunities may be reduced because of homeschooling and you know working from home. You know, when the opportunity does come, I'm blessed being able to take it. So that's that's a big freedom for me because obviously these substances are not in accordance with the law of the land. So I kind of think, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I've still got this freedom, even yeah. though I might not be able to do this, that, and the other like I used to do. So I've not really <laughs> affect me. I've read a lot more books than I probably would have had, uh, probably would have done if if we'd had those freedoms. Do your when you were doing the um, the the DMT for the for that year, did your kids know what you were doing? Oh. Locked up in the room. <laughs> that, no, that's a question. So, <laughs> my my boys are now uh, thirteen and fourteen. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but when I was doing that research, and it was like three years, you know, it was like pretty frequent. So they were, you know, quite a bit younger then. But um, certainly, so so. I remember one time I smoked at the top of the stairs, which is a really small area. And I smoked it and I just was induced into this ecstatic outburst. I mean, laughter like I just didn't <laughs> think any human being could laugh like that. And it, it was like it was being squeezed out of my psyche. And there's no two ways about it. My wife, my two boys, you know, they, they couldn't not hear it. It was... <laughs> extreme ecstasy so you know you come back down after that and there's kind of like 
they're looking, you know, raised eyebrows and looking, <laughs> like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> so there's been a few episodes like that, but it's, it's in the latter 18 months of that three years of research, I ventured outside and it would to be typically me laying on a, on a, a blanket with a couple of pillows and mm-hmm. smoke and lay back. And, you know, sometimes I could be there for like, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour as you reflect and you integrate and you think about different things after the experience. So my boys frequently saw me with sunglasses on looking up at the sky. The reason I had sunglasses on is just to protect protect my eyes, but my eyes are sensitive. So if I didn't wear them, you know, my retina start to sting and they'd ask questions like, what are you doing? You (laughs) You know, there were times I was out there when it wasn't like, you know, sunny weather you know sometimes I've been out in the rain or when it's gray like what are you doing and you know they've seen me extract DMT countless times you Mm -hmm. know so very slowly they have wheedled some form of truth out of me and now you know it's TV dinners or rather YouTube dinners so they'll see things pop up you know like oh DMT and you know, when I get a Father's Day card from them, it's like, you know, and best DMT dad and DMT <laughs> professor. I don't know if they are. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both doing great at school, so I couldn't be happier. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's good to not make this taboo because I think because it's illegal in many countries, you know, almost all around the world, um, people are so afraid and they're also afraid to ask questions to even ask questions, you know, especially, you know, in religious communities, um, you have people who are so afraid and kind of brainwashed to think that it's, it's, it's a bad thing. And of course it could be a bad thing if taken, you know, if you're not careful or if you have health issues or things like that. But, um, my friend said, um, that ayahuasca he feels that ayahuasca and things like that are are the whole the holy grail you know yeah yeah i'm with your friend on that yeah these are very powerful sacred medicines and 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 personally speaking i i feel they deserve reverence yeah so it's good that people are starting not to make it like taboo and people are starting to to talk about it and ask questions and explore. <laughs> um, so tell me, um, if it's not too personal, a, a little bit about your religious beliefs and your background. Okay, so again, for, for, for context, I mean, you know, my wife is, is Muslim, she's good Muslim, you know, and she's a really spiritual and mature individual, mm-hmm. but with no interest in, in psychedelics. She may have tried something with me a few years ago, but that's a different story. Whereas myself, I um, I really became switched on to esoteric philosophy, specifically theosophy, and that answered a lot of questions that I'd had since being a, a little child. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in terms of religion, you know, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, you know, both books more than once. So, you know, you know, when you like do um, a questionnaire, and it's like, you know, what's your <laughs> what's your religious beliefs and it's like you know it lists several or you can put them. I wish it had just like have a box saying all of them yeah really because of you know my, my interest in esoteric philosophy that you know I take the view that there's a there's some truth in them all and no one religion has a divine monopoly there's a golden thread running through them all and so yeah I mean I I I um I believe in them all but I in terms of prayer and commitment that's I I guess that's personal that's like that's deep in your heart and it's you know I don't know it's like I feel like just the beauty of nature is like church for me and Mm -hmm. and you know you get those moments where like just the 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 question the big question about why why the universe why how and it like really gets you deep in your heart you know and that that to me is like you know that, that's a connection with the the ever unknowable and, and 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 that for me is that's prayer also yeah 
rather than going to a building every Sunday or, you know, doing something five times a day. That That's not for me. And so have you read the Nag Hammadi? Have you read the... Um... I know about the Nag Hammadi from my um, fondness for the works of John Lamb Lash. I don't know if you know that Gnostic author. So I know about it through him, but I'm 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 not um I'm not an academic scholar on it. Yeah, I think you would um you would find it really interesting. And I think you'd actually um from what I was reading in your book, I think you would find a connection with that. Um, because like you were saying, you've you've read all these books and you've um read about all these religions. Well, I think you would I really recommend you looking into that and there are actually companion pieces that explain each chapter <laughs> because I, you yep. can't read it it's so yep. difficult yep. to understand i tried <laughs> yeah no i i agree and i i will take the recommendation i've i've already had a look at it but i, I think what i realized since publishing both books is i have been in, in terms of my reading uh, you know going back I have been somewhat limited by sticking with theosophy and, and even then one particular author within that field, Blavatsky. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've had, you know, quite a, a narrow and limited view. And now I'm realizing that there's a whole of the world of literature out there, you know, <laughs> philosophy, Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. So I am, you know, reading furiously and I'm keeping a journal and hoping I can tie some of these quotes into uh, a third book. You're going to go down rabbit holes <laughs> or you're, it oh, sounds like you already I, are. <laughs> I, I, I'm down a lot of, you know, at any one time now, I must have four or five books on the go, you know, modern books, old books, and I'm, I'm loving it. And yeah, I mean, it's all rabbit holes at the moment. <laughs> so there was, um, let's see if I can find it. Cause I did a screenshot of it. Uh, it was a section in your book. So let me see. Sure. Ah. Let me see if I can find it really quick because I found it interesting. You know, you were you were describing your experiences and documenting them. And I wouldn't say, I'd say a little before halfway through, you started talking kind of about, well, if there are these positive forces and positive spirits, are there any negative entities? Um I don't know if you, oh goodness. I know I airdropped it into, uh, let me see really quick. Yeah. I know I have it here. You say, You were talking about could malevolent, malevolent, malevolent beings with varying degrees of conscious intelligence. Um, you were ta just talking about, where was it? Perhaps spiritual wickedness in high places really does exist. Perhaps political leadership is subliminally steered. Now you wrote, you published this in 2019, correct? <laughs> I, yeah, is it DMT and my cult mind a lot? Yes. Yeah, so I think the original publication was 2017, and that's a smaller revised version, which, yeah, as you say, 2019. Um, and then you go on to say, perhaps the retention of power by global elites is secured by dark unseen agency. And oh my goodness, to, okay, to read uh, that. I mean, did I write that? <laughs> you know, I mean, there may have been something working through me when I wrote that. Because, yeah, 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 and it's fine yeah. if you don't, uh, you know, it's fine if 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 you don't remember, because it is a lot of information. No, I do remember, yeah, I do but remember. But listening to those, listening to that now and living in the world that we live in now, <laughs> is there anything you would like to say about perhaps are there you if you think there are negative forces or for lack of a better term spirits um you know that are manifesting Steering themselves yeah yeah 
Oh, I don't think there are, you know, I mean, I mean, materialism and greed is, 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 a, is a real big factor and a real big, dare I say, problem in society. Mm-hmm. And it's a difficult one to, to deal with because the, I, I find, I feel, the majority of people are, you know, the, the, the wealth and the power is, is with a small, it's with the 1%. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people would rather, that they, they, they want that, they want a share of that. And really, you know, you got to try and find a way to pierce that and, and, and say, well, look, that greed is not good. Greed is based on fear. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find a way to sort of get people to like switch onto a mindset that's not pursuing riches and, and, and power for the sake of power, power over others. Um, and, and, and I think psychedelics are a real good way of, of doing that and and then you big but then you begin to wonder well how are we ever going to get something legalized or decriminalized when talk like this is kind of like looking up at that one percent and saying is there no better way that we can (laughs) you know is is this really the best we can do and so yeah i mean yeah it's just it's just that really. I mean, I, I, I would like more money, but how much is too much? How much is enough? You know, it's, um, I think it's just trying to deal with that kind of mindset with the majority of people, with the population. Yeah. And I think Alex can help with that. And was it, was it Terrence McKenna who said that every leader should take psychedelics? <laughs> Uh, yeah, before they go into office yeah, or something. I wish, I wish I could have just like quoted McKenna. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely right. You know, I mean, I wonder what the future is going to bring when when my boys are as old as me now. Whether you know politicians will be promoting themselves on a platform of their psychedelic experience and how. I don't want to say how woke they are because I really don't like the term woke. It's bandied about so. But you know, when it yeah. first came out, woke. I thought, oh, it means people who've tried DMT. And I never, <laughs> I never labelled myself woke, but inwardly I felt like, yeah, I must be woke. I <laughs> but now it's like they talk about um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, they're woke. And I'm like, they haven't tried that. I don't think they've tried ayahuasca DMT. Oh, probably not. I don't want to be called woke. And, and I'm awake, you know. I'm not, you know, There's always something to learn. You're red-pilled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, took the red yeah. pill. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it makes you wonder about politicians in the future. I mean, what, what's happening in America with, you know, psychedelics and, and cannabis? It's, it's remarkable, whereas here in the UK, I think we're just still a very long way from having a sensible discussion, and, and that would be really helpful to have that, you know. I mean, we had years ago, Professor David Nutt, I think he was the science advisor to the government on drugs and and, and he showed statistically where the harms are and it's with alcohol and tobacco rather than MDMA and, and, and mm-hmm. psychedelics, magic mushrooms, but they, they, they give him the you're fired, you know, treatment. Yeah. And uh, such a shame, such a shame. It is because I think it is dangerous for politicians, for people to start thinking outside of the norm and, you know, you can't people like, like you can't, be put in a box like how can a politician um speak to you if you're not in a box (laughs) you know you know know, sometimes we get um local politicians coming local councillors you know knocking on the door canvassing for the local vote and there'll be two or three from different parties and typically i will open the door and they'll introduce (laughs) themselves and what's it What's your policy on drugs? And the look of fright <laughs> on their face because they're like, is this guy pro-drugs? Is he anti-drugs? What do I say? <laughs> they just like freeze. They don't know where to go. Yeah. It's like when you were in your book, when you were talking to the um, Jehovah, Jehovah oh, Witnesses. <laughs> yeah. I bet the one I, who I, looked I, shocked went, went and yeah. tried it. <laughs> It went down exactly as I wrote it, and I had a, I had a lot of fun on that day. And I've often wondered, I wonder, like, I wonder what the guy is doing now. I wonder if he's actually come across other people 
promoting these substances and I don't know. You probably put that little seed in the mind and maybe he tried it. <laughs> maybe. I'd like to think so. <laughs> do you ever, um, besides that incident, do you ever talk to people about it? Like, you know, people that at, at work, maybe no. kind of, yeah, no. at work, no. <laughs> I, I've got one really colleague at work and, I, you know, he, he knows everything. He's a real good friend. Um, but but otherwise, this is not a conversation I can have with with work colleagues. It probably wouldn't go down very well with my employer. Hence the hat. Hence the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The overly dark bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um. I think it's it's sad that um conversations like this are so taboo, and um you know they're not burning books anymore, but they're not allowing people to be on. Twitter, or Facebook, whatever your politics or your um, yeah. ideas are, I think it's such such a dangerous thing to start shutting um, Twitter accounts down. And I'm not a Trump fan or anything like that, but I just when those things happen, yeah. when free speech starts to disintegrate yeah. like that, it's it. Everybody should be scared. <laughs> I, I I agree. I mean, even the German Chancellor. Angela Merkel bemoaned Twitter closing Trump down. And she is far from his biggest fan because he was his administration was spying on her. But she understood the the precedent that that sets in shutting Sunday down. Free speech. I mean, you've got a private uh, platform there dictating mm -hmm. who, who has a voice, who has the oxygen of publicity. And Trump's far from an angel, but, you know, it's... Um, does he deserve to lose his voice? Yeah, and exactly with, um, you know, people are going to start to be be more careful about the things that they they talk about. And like I said, um, some of these substances are illegal in in a lot of countries, most countries. I know, like in indigenous um, indigenous uh, countries where there's a lot of indigenous people, South America, um, there's still they still do ceremonies. It's still legal. I think mushrooms are legal in, in Mexico. I'm not sure, but I think they are. <laughs> so, um, well, what do you think about the indigenous cultures? What, what have you, have you learned anything from, from reading about them or? I mean, I read Jeremy Nabi's book, Cosmic Serpent, and that, that gave some insight mm -hmm. into it. Um, I mean, my view with, with especially ayahuasca is i see it as a, a baton is being a spiritual baton is being passed to the west um i think it's been passed to us and we're gonna run with it and i hope that these tribes people can maintain some longevity with their traditions and and their cultures um i think it's going to be difficult with with what's happening in the Amazon with developments. Mm. I think you know, I think it's really I see it as a spiritual baton's being passed to the West and you know where where we're gonna take it and we're gonna run with it. Uh, and I thought that before I'd experienced ayahuasca. And now that I've had several experiences with ayahuasca and I've had the benefit of being in um in ceremonies where there has been a traditional shaman from you know South America. And I've heard him and his family sing those traditional Icarus songs. Mm -hmm. And I'm just blown away. I mean, they are just, they're clearly songs highly influenced from that realm. And some of them are so capable uh, uh, taking the ceremony in certain directions, certain songs with the, 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 the bigger bass and the drums, all of, uh, you know, you're halfway through. And then there's a chorus of purging starting with people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and anybody who's not tried it, I was thinking, I ain't trying that. But and that's what I used to think before I tried it. But I tell you what, forget the, the purging's nothing. The experience is phenomenal. Yeah. But amazing how those songs—they're just so knowing for that that state, and obviously inspired by by being in that that heightened psychedelic state. So, um, but I still maintain that I see a baton is being passed from from these cultures to the west and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in 
years, decades, scores of years to come with, with the West and it's how it treats this growing culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so beautiful. Like, like you, like you said, it's just, I told my husband that too. I said, don't be afraid. He hasn't done it yet. I said, don't be afraid of the puking (laughs) because that's part of it. I mean, you're purging all the bad, you know, all the bad things and it, and you feel the release and then you go into this trance and then you start to hear things that are otherworldly. You know, and I think you mentioned that in your book too, kind of like the sounds and the the ringing sound. It's like sound is being broken apart and you're like in a computer or yeah. something. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> so especially with, with free-based DMT. I mean, some people say, what music do you listen to? And I'm in a silent room if I'm going to smoke DMT because... I was, I, I, I'd convinced myself I was an investigator and I was investigating. So before, you know, smoking DMT, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of lay down, I'd prepare myself and I, I'd sit up and three hits on the pipe. And in my mind, I'm like, be highly observant, be super observant. And it was through that I would listen to the intensity and the frequency of my own amplified sort of interior sound. Mm-hmm. And then became familiar, you could, palpably feel the arrival of the entity and the moment it arrives it's imposing its own intensity and its own frequency which quickly goes off the scale mm-hmm. and you know put, puts you in this highly mesmeric immersive state and it looks like you've gone to another world and um you know that, that's a breakthrough in my opinion and yeah just life-changing experience yeah and I think for people who don't know that much about the the chemistry or the process, you have your pineal gland, with, which is a little pine cone shaped thing in your brain. And that's like a receiver for these, all this stuff, isn't it? Like kind of like a radio receiver. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when I talk about, you know, the, the sound, which in the West is called tinnitus, but you know, I've had it all my life, you know, it's persistent and I'm very comfortable with it and, and became hugely interested, as I said, with when DMT amplified its intensity and heightened its frequency. Um, and surely, you know, when, when you inhale DMT, the activity within you is, is certainly from your pineal region. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a neuroscientist or yeah. chemist, I don't know exactly what's going on, but it's clearly from the, the pineal region. I mean, I've had, I've had encounters with entities where, you know, they, are, they have this remarkable capacity to be able to mold. I, I suspect they're molding my psycho-spiritual substance into a, a sort of paraphysical or a quasi-physical substance. So I've had them do that. And the, the form, I can feel the form, the shape of a triangle pyramid in my head. around. The, oh, wow. Yeah, but around the pineal region. And I mean, I've had them form things on my chest, within my chest. But yeah, you know, I had that occurrence where it, it formed a pyramid within the pineal region of my brain. You can feel it and you're like speechless, you know, <laughs> what can you say? You know, wow, I'm not going to be able to tell anybody at work about this. <laughs> It'd blow their minds, literally. <laughs> yeah, write about it and think, oh, I'll publish it and hopefully somebody enjoys reading it. Are you kind of like kind of like a Superman Clark Kent, like at work, you're this like straight as an arrow kind of person, like no one would ever suspect. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a serious story to be told here because to be honest, I I realized when I'd acquired emotional intelligence, how lacking in emotional intelligence Mm. I had been. And I I put this down to, to DMT when I became serious about not writing, but just serious about committing to it in an investigative capacity. I, I gave up masturbating, which had been, uh, <laughs> you know, it had just been a habit for too long. And, and it, <laughs> you know, I really should have kicked it into touch long ago, but it was emotional immaturity that kind of like, you know, the sort of the pleasure of it made it habitual or, mm-hmm. you know, even in marriage. And I'm ashamed to say that. Um, and drinking alcohol, which had never been a problem. I, I'd never been a big drinker, but I re- alluded to my time in Africa. And because I couldn't buy any weed in Africa, 
I started drinking and, you know, smoking cigarettes and drink was really cheap. So I kind of, I was drinking more often than I'd ever done in my life. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stop drinking and I'm going to stop masturbating. And that's, that was years ago. And I still not touched a drop and I keep my hands, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, and there's a consequence of that, you know, my emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. has increased. And I think that must've been identified in my workplace because, you know, I've had the benefit of a couple of pay increases and a promotion. So, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm straight as a die at work. You know, I'm fully committed to my job. You know, it's, you know, I'm, I've got a family here and they're my priority. Yeah. It does change a lot. Of, it does change lives. It is life changing. If it doesn't change your life, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> I was thinking on um, Instagram it was just yesterday and they were asking a similar question. And I said, you know, it's like, because you've experienced these entities and they're so powerful. I mean, mm. just insanely powerful. And I were going to work and, and like, you know, the boss, the big bosses, I think I just aren't scared of you because mm-hmm. I have seen something you can't even begin to imagine. And I don't know, I think, I think that attitude must have, I'm not saying being observed, but I don't know. It, I, I felt different at work. I just feel, you know what, I've seen things you don't even know about. Yeah. So any, <laughs> any sort of perceived, you know, um, grandeur from you cuts nothing with me you know we're, we're not, <laughs> not having that anymore <laughs> but not in an egotistical sort of way no, right <laughs> you have no ego now from it you know I'm, I'm i'm thoroughly polite and respectful but mm. you know i think whereas once there was maybe a degree of t- timidity that's gone on the basis of I- improved emotional intelligence so when you're when you're with these entities what is your approach to it? Do you, do you ask questions or do you just let it all play out? What, what do you do? I, 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 um, I submit, but there were many occasions at the back end of an experience would I, I, I would try and communicate that I'm, I'm writing a book and, you know, I'm openly seek help, you know, if, if you can provide any assistance, this is not verbally, this is, Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. you know mentally projected and there were times when I felt they had been heard in that knowledge but some of those beings are so powerful I just felt so immature saying it it's like you know it's like you know the 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 mismatch the evolution (laughs) disparity between a little surface dweller like myself and this highly evolved being on the I don't know Devashanic that's angelic plane you're like you know you can make your appeals but really you know they know how as a human being a long way to go before oh, they, yeah. uh, they're at and so patience is possibly a key well they're very cheeky t- though you know they're very um well my in my experience I found them to be very playful and in your book you describe that as well that they're you know they make you laugh and they do all these tricks and they're just you know uh, it just the, it's just pure love <laughs> yeah I mean there was one trick that they did several times and i i smoke and um you know the entity would fill the room and impose its power there'd be nothing visual but it's clearly you're in a dmt experience and it would start to move you know it create this sort of paraphysical um something beneath the pillow and it was so spooky you know even in <laughs> daylight you know something moving in the pillow you're like jump up and you're looking under the pillow and of course, there's nothing there, and you go back down, and it does it again, and yeah, I mean, it's one, and it's just just a light. Dose. I was messing about, and it's a light dose. In fact, I'd taken one light dose, and then 15 minutes later, another light, uh, another light dose, and a few minutes later, another light dose, and I think it was at this third pipe, I was convinced I pissed myself, and I'm putting my hand down my pants because it felt like <laughs> I don't know, I've wet myself. How can that be? And got the sense of something laughing at me. So, you know, heart, you know, it's like, oh my God, they got such a sense of humor. They really, really have. It makes you feel like a child again, but not in a negative kind of way, like in a way of like, you have all this wonder, yeah. you know? I mean, many times at the conclusion of an experience, I have just kicked up my legs and just like, you know, like a little child, kick, 
kicks back and the legs are going like that. And that <laughs> you know, as a fully grown adult man, that is, must be quite a sight. Thank God I'm on my own. But, you know, <laughs> that's genuine emotion. You know, you're beside yourself with, with glee and wonder and ecstasy and awe and shaking your head in disbelief. I mean, you know... I mean, what's the alternative out there? To go out and drink beer? Is that it? Smoke tobacco, cigarettes? Is that is that really as a society <laughs> all I've got to look forward to after a hard work at week, you know, to go and get sozzled? Yeah. Know. Well, now we can't do that anyway. <laughs> well, no, we, 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 we but, you know, I, I found I'm really attuned to, um, people talking about alcohol whether it's people at work saying how much they've had to drink and what state they got into or whether it's an advert on the radio or tv or mm -hmm. in a film and people are like and it's so socially acceptable and yet it's such a harmful substance and you know it, it, i don't want to say too much but the nature of my work i have come across reports where i'm privy to um instances where where people have got drunk and they've they've fallen foul of the law and talking about life-changing injuries yeah i mean come on and and town centers and city centers obviously pre-lockdown they're not so good to be in as a family you know because there's people getting in such a state with it and uh i really hope that culture changes over time you know i really do yeah yeah, I can agree with you a, a little bit. I think um, I don't completely agree because I live in Ireland and Ooh. the drinking culture here is completely different because yeah. most of the time people, you know, they go to the pubs, except for the tourists, they go to the pubs and it's not to really to get drunk, you know, Agreed. it's just to, yeah. you know, socialize yeah. and meet their friends and yeah. it's a completely different yeah. culture i think yeah whereas yeah, in america people yeah. do go to the bars just to get drunk and yeah you know i'll tell you a story um this is when i was 18 and um i wasn't in london at the time and i was out with a couple of uh work colleagues my boss and a work colleague and they were much Old, they were older and more mature than me and i was 18 <laughs> i'd never been much of a drinker but i think i drowned i think i downed rather six pints and I was in a really bad state and it was a Monday night and I'm on this <laughs> bed and I've got this burger and my my boss and my work colleague are some short distance away and these three big guys you know walk by and one of them as nice as pie says excuse me mate where can I get a burger because I've got this burger <laughs> and I'm like in such a state and I I don't know what something went through in my mind I'm convinced of that and I looked up and I just said fuck off and he was gonna rightly so he was gonna pull my head off <laughs> and you know i mean thankfully my my boss and my work colleague came over and saved my neck but you know i mean there is that side of it too yeah. where you can become senseless and fall foul of awful situations but i do accept it, it's a wonderful culture also pub culture I, I i've been part of that i've enjoyed that you know, so I'm not saying outlaw drink, but I think if you're going to have drink, why can't we have other things? Oh, yeah. It? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I do agree with you that um, certainly you can't put alcohol in the same category as DMT or weed or anything like that, because alcohol is, you know, my husband won't like me saying this, but it is harmful to your body as well. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. harming your your liver and your you know, your heart and all, and, you know, <laughs> weed and, and, and all those other things, they don't do, they don't do that kind of harm to you. In fact, there, it, it, there are studies showing now that there are actually healing properties, especially with um, people who are depressed, who have issues of, you know, depression or, PTSD and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Memory loss as well. Yeah. I think I heard that one because you have the connections in in the brains in the brain. So you can't compare that to alcohol, I don't think. Yeah. No, no. It's, you know, it's 
these different qualities. It's amazing the, the research that's been done. I mean, not just around psilocybin and, um, and other psychedelics, but ketamine, a dissociative psychedelic in terms of helping uh, depression. I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's wonderful. It's, it's good news. It is. I, I do want to ask you one more question. Has, yep. the, has the DMT and doing these psychedelics, has it, have you seen changes in yourself in the world as far as maybe your intuition has gotten better or you, um, some people talk about seeing signs or predict kind of predicting things that are. Oh, I mean, I have this crazy chronological synchronicity with 22 and 23 minutes past the hour. Mm. And there was something I'd had years ago when I was smoking cannabis. And when I stopped smoking cannabis, it kind of it diminished. But then when I started with DMT, this thing returned, but it's returned with a vengeance. And I, I know <laughs> all the arguments that, you know, the, the pros and the cons, it's this, it's that, and we look for patterns. And, and whatever it is, I don't know, but it, it occurs with such incredible frequency and so often at the most unexpected moments you know like i can spend hours in a skate park on my bmx and many times i've come out and got in my vehicle 22 minutes past the hour going into 23 and i could have left that skate park at any time i mean it's such a puzzle that when i when I do die, and I, if I get a life review, I want to ask, what can you explain this, <laughs> you know, this chronological synchronicity? But to answer your question, what I have found is that I think it's increased my my awareness. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I'm always I always feel like really aware of not just what's in front of me, but what's either side of me, what's behind me, and I see other people in the supermarket, you know, including my wife, and we're shopping and just seeing some people that that awareness it's not as it's not there to the same degree so i i, I put that down to, to dmt i found that dmt has it's a subtle but significant change in that it's like my stream of consciousness it's like the tap's been turned ever so slightly and even though it's only subtle, the effects are significant. You know, your stream of consciousness has become, my stream of consciousness has become, I'm far more playful, especially with my children, but also with my, my thoughts, you know, my imagination seems to have um, increased. And yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, noticed that at different aspects in my life and my relationship with other people and my family. Now, I don't want to get in trouble. So I guess I'd have to say for people who are going to watch this, we don't recommend or condone people doing things that are illegal. <laughs> so I just want to say that, like, uh, I, I don't want anyone to watch this and say, you know, I'm going to do this if they're, you know, they have to be very careful about it. Yeah. I, I feel it's something that if you're going to do it, you should have life experiences before you start it's, it's probably something you should do when you're having your midlife crisis um, which is what I did because I feel like if I would have done that any younger I wouldn't have understood what was happening or not and it probably it wouldn't have been as meaningful as it is as it was when I you know when I first did ayahuasca how what, what do you feel I, I, I mean I know people who um I, I know people who uh a younger age, they they have been far more mature certainly than mm -hmm. I was at that. I think it's depending on the individual. But speaking personally, I think I'm more I'm more with you. I just cannot see myself at 25 having come across this substance and then pursued it so frequently to write a couple of books and and be penning a third. I think the age that I found it was ideal for me, you know, as a as a parent with like you say with those life experiences. It just seemed like the perfect age for me to be pursuing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say anybody who's. Uh, I think the thing with it is, if you feel it's calling you, then yeah, he heed that call. I mean, when I first watched Strassman's Spirit Molecule documentary, it, it was I knew without a doubt I have to try that. It's without question. But some people hear of it and they're like, yeah, maybe. Mm. And that's not calling them. When yeah. you hear news, if it's like, I got to try it, then it's calling you. <laughs> like you say, you got proceed with caution. These things are 
not just illegal, but highly illegal, you know, the class A substances. And um, that's what we're faced with at the moment. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want to be not ready for it because it's, it is so powerful. And if you're not, you know, if you're not ready for it, you could have a bad experience. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of people who have had bad experiences with ayahuasca and with, with mushrooms and things like that. So yeah, I've had challenging experiences. There've been thankfully fewer. I don't. I prefer not to use bad, but challenging. And mm. I think those those trips. To be fair, I've probably learned more about myself and more about the actual experience than on those where it's just ecstasy or unimaginable playfulness. And whilst they're great, those that have challenged me and shaken me, probably where I've learned more about myself. So tell me, what is next for you? Are you working on yeah. another book or project or yeah. what's going on? So the plan is to publish a third and final book in that series, which will be DMT and My Occult Mind 3. That, that will be the final. Uh, that's contingent upon me being able to have sufficient experiences to... to Put in a book but i want to also try and address that question about who are these dmt entities you know because mm. there's a there's a wealth of esoteric and occult literature out there you know it's almost like take your pick at the moment it does feel like sort of you know stick the tail on the donkey <laughs> but I'm, I'm coming across some really wonderful um literature and you know noting that down uh, and quotes from there at the moment i'm I'm just four experiences into the toad medicine, the 5-MeO-DMT. Um, I had an experience two or three days ago. That was my fourth experience. And uh, I mean, that stuff is just so powerful. I mean. Is that very, the stuff that Mike Tyson? Yeah. Did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I know yeah. what you're talking about. You smoke, no, you smoke I, it I, or how do you ingest yeah, it? Yeah, smoke it. And, and rather than you know, three tokes as with free dip based DMT. This is just one, <laughs> one pull. One mother. <laughs> down and then, then hold on tight. And, you know, I mean, you know, I'm conscious there's people out there with a vast amount of experience with that substance. And I'm not here trying to be the alpha male of DMT world. Yeah. I'm just trying to write a book that promotes these experiences in a positive way. And hopefully something that somebody will read and enjoy and, like you were saying earlier, you know, if it helps somebody to change their direction in life, then that's great. But yeah, toad medicine. Ooh, that is. So what is that like then? If you can describe a little bit of it <laughs> or it's no, indescribable. No, I had so much, I have so much experience with, with free based DMT. I had this preconceived notion that 5-MeO-DMT probably sent out a very different signal to free-based DMT, and it would be a very different, more higher, more powerful entity that interacted with you. But I've, I think I've got it totally wrong because I'm four experiences in. I've not had any real sense of enti entity interaction, but I have to say, hands down, it's the most powerful experiences I've ever had. It's, it's just off the scale. Um, yeah, so, um, quite a way to go with that. I hope, I yeah. hope I'm committing to it. I, I mean, funny, my, my, my third experience, that was about a week ago and, and I had no qualms committing to it. I was like, we're going to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we did it. It was like, Oh my God, you know, the, the reverence, the strength, incredible. And then, um, you know, a few days later, I got this fourth pipe and it was like, it was like back to free base DMT. It was like real trepidation. I really had to force myself to like yeah. sit on bed and like, let's do it. And I did it and it was so powerful. But yeah, I mean, yeah, powerful. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going on a journey. No wonder you don't really care about what, what goes on in this I, world. No, I, it's I, like, I, I, I feel with five MEO DMT. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be less of a story to tell than with, with the, the entity interactions. But, you know, it's early days yet. I'm documenting what I'm doing. I'm not being too wordy or long-winded. I just want to be accurate, truthful, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see what we can do. Well, I think I think that's great. I think that's fantastic because I think the more knowledge we get on that, and I know you said you're not like a scientist or anything like that, but it's collective knowledge. And I think everything is valid at this point, you know, not just a scientist or, or you know, or, or a hippie out in California. Like it's, it's great to see that more people are starting to wake up to, to this and starting yeah. to kind of, and, and I, I do hope for a day where it won't be a taboo, um, a taboo conversation and we can actually, you know, you won't have to hide. We don't have to hide from our employers. <laughs> you know, it, it can be something that could be celebrated, I think, instead of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it feels a long way off at this stage, but that yeah, would be. Yeah, I know, especially this part of the world, I think. Yeah. No, not so much in in the States and of course in, in South America and, and Mexico and things like that, but. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's there's a long way to go here on this this part of the world. Such, I mean, these isles have got such a great heritage with. I know. Well, philosophy and, and literature and and Europe, you know, and it's um, it'd be great to kind of like get behind that and and, and pursue it, you know, in an investigative capacity, which is what I feel I'm doing, and I think, you know, I I love as much I can understand it, the neuroscience and the neurochemistry, and that's a valid lens to view this through, but I, I'm biased and prejudiced, of course. I yeah. personally feel that an esoteric and occult interpretation of these experiences will ultimately be be the most meaningful and the most accurate, but you know, that's because I'm looking at these experiences through this lens. Exactly, exactly, and I can't wait to read um, your next book, and I hope that you will um, have another conversation with me. I hope so, because, too. Because uh, we'll have so much more to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you for having me here. It's been wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>